and welcome to episode 21 of the Graph Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. Today's show is one I've been looking forward to for a while now because we are going to break down 10 myths that most golfers still believe. Golf is just one of those games where advice or generic sayings or general ways of thinking are passed around from person to person without a ton of thought. And over the last seven years, uh, I've been a PGA professional and I've taught many of these people. And I've realized that, you know, there are some really damaging myths out there that make this game a lot harder for the average person. They're actually, they're not helpful at all. And I, I think you'll find at the end of this that most sayings in golf you know, not only are they not helpful, but the way to get better is to take a deep dive into your own game, not listening to these things. You have to look at your your own game, your own golf swing. That is a major part of what we're doing here at Graph with developing the world's first smart golf ball that offers detailed analytics like ball speed, spin rate, launch angle, and a lot more. If you want to learn more about the ball, visit our website, graph.golf, and subscribe to our newsletter. You can also find the club at our website, which is a growing database of articles and podcasts, such as the one you are listening to right now. So let's get into it right away. Here are 10 total myths the majority of golfers believe. Myth number one, you need to keep your head down during your golf swing. Okay, this is maybe the most offered advice that you'll hear in a golf course, particularly when it comes to beginners trying to make solid contact with the ball for the first time. Point blank, this advice is very misleading, and it actually really isn't relevant to the golf swing. Overall, it does a lot more harm than good. It's been passed down from generation to generation, but it really isn't helpful at all. Here's the thing. Keeping your head down really limits what you can accomplish at impact in a golf swing. You, you, you want your head to actually turn and face the target as you make impact. If you don't, you're putting a lot of pressure on your back and aren't really allowing the club to properly release. There's a, it, you know, it adds a lot of tension overall in your golf swing and doesn't allow you to turn your upper body properly. When, when someone says they looked up too quickly and didn't keep their head down, that almost always means that they came out of their posture, meaning the, the angle of their spine has dramatically changed, not really their head. Um, or their arms have pulled in towards their chest and are not really extending through their follow-through. You will never see a professional golfer stare at the ground after they have made contact. They are looking at the ball as it flies off the club face. They are rotating their head through the ball, through their shot. Here is a quote that I think wraps all of this up together. It comes from Ed Oldham, a noted instructor. Quote, the single worst golf tip I've ever heard is keep your head down. This is probably the most common swing thought that average golfers have. I've been teaching for more than 30 years and have never seen a golfer lift their head. The problem with the swing thought is it reduces your ability to move freely during the backswing and follow through. During the backswing, the head and neck should be allowed to rotate. Put a golf tee or pencil between your teeth and pay attention to the amount of rotation that your head and neck will have if allowed to rotate. Depending on your level of flexibility, you might even lose sight of the golf ball with your right eye. This is okay. 
during the downswing as you get to impact, your eyes, head, and neck should be up following the golf ball, not staying down and restricting your golf, your follow through. End of quote. I could not have said it any better myself. That's perfectly put. Bottom line, get that myth out of your head and allow your head to move during the golf swing. Myth number two, you drive for show and putt for dough. How many times have you heard this one? This myth has stuck around for many years and really what it insinuates is something to the effect of this, that the 300-yard drive you hit is worth just as much as the two-foot putt you were you you hit. Well, it's true that putting is very important because about 40% of our shots during a round are putts, give or take a few percentage points. The data we have now establishes clearly that the number one indicator of success on a golf course is getting the ball in play and getting the ball as close to the hole as possible while keeping it in play. And this actually means that your driver or whatever club you hit off the tee is typically the most important shot on that hole. There are some exceptions to this, such as when you are playing a particularly wide golf course with little trouble, but in general, the place where you're going to save the most shots is off the tee. How am I so sure of this? Well, there there are a few ways. Uh, First of all, the best players in the world on the professional level are the best drivers of the golf ball, and there are many of them that are decidedly mediocre putters relative to their peers. Uh, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, and the the list goes on and on. Here are the top five players in strokes gained off the tee last year, meaning guys who drive the ball better than their peers. Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm, Sergio Garcia, Rory again, and Victor Hovland. All of them are fantastic players. But an even bigger reason that drive for show putt for dough is a myth is due to a measure in golf called variance, which is which says how repeatable a skill is relative to a baseline. What has been found over the past 10 years is that a tee shot has less variance than a putt. So what I mean by that is even for the best in the world, an eight foot putt is only a coin flip, whether they make it or not. You can hit a really good putt and not make that eight footer. Putting is volatile and it's very difficult to consistently be a great putter, whether that is in the professional game or just for the average player. But on the other side, how you hit the ball off the tee is a much more repeatable skill. Even on his worst day, Rory still hits his driver roughly the same length with roughly the same precision as most other days. And the average golfer, while we don't really think of them like Rory McIlroy, they're actually much the same way. It's far, far easier to be consistent off the tee than to be consistent, consistent with putting. So if you're a great driver of the ball... It's a more reliable skill. And the most important part is that hitting the fairway and avoiding trouble off the tee is the number one way to bring your overall score down. A missed four-foot putt may add one stroke to your score, but a drive out of bounds or into another hazard usually adds more than one stroke. Uh, So the the lesson in all this, if you had to choose between being a great driver of the ball and being a great putter, you should definitely take the first one driving is not just for show. Myth number three, 90% of golf is mental. Oh man, how, how often do you hear this one? People throw this line out there like it is an absolute fact and other golfers tend to nod along. I, I used to for many years also nod along to this. 
guys, this is maybe the most incorrect of any myth in this podcast. This is 100% pure myth. The thing is, we can all admit that golf does have a significant mental component to it that is probably more vital than other sports. I think that is fair to say. There's a lot of time to overthink in golf. There's a lot of time to have multiple thoughts as you're making a swing. It's easy to get really negative with yourself on the course. You have a lot of decisions to make. Visualization is vital. So it is a very mental game for those reasons. But guys, let's be honest here. Physical ability, awareness of the club face, the repeatability of a reliable golf swing, these are the variables that are going to determine a massive portion of your success and failure. Look, some of the best athletes of all time, human beings who have reached unbelievable concentration levels and mental awareness are horrible golfers who can't break 100. And we've seen pro golfers who struggle mightily with the mental game, a guy like Bubba Watson, who has done that and still won two masters. Uh, You know, please don't get this twisted. I'm not saying the mental game in golf doesn't matter because it does matter. It's very important, especially at the highest level of elite professional and amateur golf, where the margins are so thin and the talent pool is so deep. But look, your golf swing, your technique is going to determine the lion's share of your success. It, it is a marriage of the physical and the mental, but if you don't have the physical, the mental is not going to save you. If golf was 90% mental, why isn't every sports psychologist and Buddhist monk out there shooting 63 every day? Guys, this is a myth, and please call out your fellow golfer the next time they try to say this. Myth number four. My equipment doesn't matter. I'm a little surprised this one still exists. I think it's going away a little bit over time, but you hear this a lot from beginner golfers or people who maybe don't play as often. They'll say something to the effect of, ah, it doesn't matter what golf ball I play. They're all going to go in the water anyway, or I've grabbed these clubs out from the garage and they should be fine because I'm not any good anyway. Honestly, this is actually almost the exact opposite of what you should be saying. The way golf equipment is set up now, players who need help getting the ball up in the air or making better contact need the advancements and technology that have been made. So picking out the right equipment can really help you a lot. Uh, there And there are a ton of examples of this. I, we'd be here all day if I went through all of them, but I'll just focus on one here, and that is a golf ball. Uh, you know, beginners can choose a cheaper golf ball that spins less. And while it won't have the same feel and control around the greens, it can help with distance often it can, and curving less. Or if they do have a much slower swing speed, they may want to play a softer ball that does spin a little bit more to help them get the ball up in the air easier. And if you're a better player, I highly recommend a ball test. Not all balls are equal. And the premium ball that you have chosen may not be right for you based on your swing speed or the overall spin that you put on the ball. So yes, it really does matter what equipment you play. Your equipment can help you if you have issues with maybe not generating enough spin. It can help you in a lot of different ways. And one cool thing with the the graph ball is that you will be able to do this testing at home. You can take one of several different brands and models of ball hit multiple shots with each and have a grasp on spin rates and carry distances and launch angles for all of them. 
we have a lot of different articles on these topics if you want more information. So definitely check that out. Myth number five, golfers should default to hitting a driver on par fours and par fives. This is such a big part of the game, right? You step up to the tee with your buddies and nobody really checks how long the hole is. You just want to know where to aim and you just want to hit your driver. I get it. It's a lot of fun to hit driver, but it should not be the default position. In fact, I'm going to argue here that your default position should be a fairway wood and you should adjust your strategy based on hole width and length. Your fairway wood is shorter than your driver, and most people will find that it is straighter because of that. In, in a lot of cases, it is actually the clear front runner to be hit off the tee. The exceptions would be a hole that requires more length to carry trouble, a hole without any trouble up to a reasonable width in the landing area, and maybe moments near the end of the round where you may need to take on more risk to get a shorter approach shot into the green. And in this instance, I'm thinking more competitive golf where you need to be more aggressive. I know this feels kind of wrong as a golfer to not hit a driver every chance you can, but as we have already talked about, it is so pivotal to get the ball in play. It's the most important element of the game by far, and it's really not even close. There has to be a priority ranking, right? Like, if your house is on fire, you don't try to save the, save the TV. You have to protect what is important. In golf, you have to protect the most important thing, which is keeping the ball in front of you. There are times when someone is straighter with a driver than a fairway wood, which is why you need to evaluate your game. But in general, a fairway wood should be a primary consideration before going to a driver. And one last thought here. Your game is not how a professional plays. They are out there hitting a driver a lot straighter and often hitting it to take hazards out of play, trying to get the ball as close to the hole as possible. The typical golfer needs to think the opposite way. Myth number six, you need to keep your left arm straight. This is a dangerous one, and I mean physically, this can be a dangerous one. And I wouldn't be surprised if it can trace its origins a few hundred years back because I'm not sure this one will ever die, but I'm going to try here. Professional golfers do not keep their left arm straight throughout their golf swing. Uh, their left arm is straight at a dress, and it bends around five degrees or so on their backswing, and then it bends around eight degrees or so at impact for the most part. Go ahead and search for your favorite player on YouTube they will invariably have a slight bend to their left arm during the swing. There is no tension there in having to keep your left arm straight because if you do that at all costs, you can hyperextend your elbow and put unnecessary pressure on your lead arm. I've seen this happen. You do not want to do this at all costs. This advice exists because golfers know that they should create width on their backswing, meaning that the club gets far enough away from the body to generate more power. And this part is true. You, you typically don't want to bend your arms to the point where the club is around your neck because that will result in a loss of power. However, this width can be accomplished with a simple drill. This is an interactive podcast, so I can walk you through it right now. Unless you're driving a car or something like that, then probably, you know, wait to get home for this one. But pretend like you are addressing the golf ball right now. And I want you to take your left arm and turn to the right as if you are going to shake someone's hand using your left hand. I know this is a little bit awkward, but you wouldn't come into a handshake 
with a perfectly straight arm. It would be fairly straight, but also pretty relaxed. So if you do this exercise and look behind you, you will find that your arm is extended, but it's relaxed and it does have a slight bend to it. That is the feeling of width in your golf swing. Yes, your left arm is responsible for creating some of that width, but that turning of your shoulders to shake the hand of the person to your right, that is also responsible for width. And it's going to be very important in the backswing as you generate power on your downswing. So here's a better rule. Keep your left arm relaxed, tension-free. It should be fairly straight at address and fairly straight throughout the swing as well. But 100%, it will and should have a slight natural bend throughout the entire motion of the swing. Do not worry about keeping it perfectly straight. Focus on that turn in the backswing. Myth number seven, it's usually worth the risk to hit through a tree. I had to bring another course strategy one into this because you notice this a lot where a golfer hits their drive into the woods and they have a couple of options. They can try to hit through the trees using the trees are 90% air theory, which let's just stop right there for a moment to acknowledge that trees may be 90% air from a three-dimensional standpoint by measuring volume of air, but they are not remotely close to 90% air when it comes to a golf ball flying through them. So that, that is one option, trying to maneuver through or around a tree. And the second one is to hit a punch shot back into the fairway or take a more conservative line. How often do you see golfers just chip out sideways and take the conservative route? It, it does happen mostly when they have absolutely no shot or behind the trunk of a tree or something like that. But for some reason, golfers generally don't like chipping out and they try the hero shot through the tree. But if you look at the stats, you usually should take on less risk in this scenario. Let me explain. If you have a shot through a tree on an aggressive line and you hit the shot you are hoping for, you get through the tree, you likely won't be on the green and will be scrambling to get up and down to salvage the hole. If you don't hit the shot you are hoping for, the tree is probably going to add at least two shots to your score, the shot that hit the tree and the additional shot you need to extract yourself again. Um, you know, also kind of the shot that you're probably going to need to scramble once you get up, up near the green again. So if you do take a more conservative approach, you likely take the risk of wasting two strokes out of play. And oftentimes you are statistically still likely to make the same score as you would have if you successfully hit through or around a tree. I know this is hard to wrap your mind around, but most golfers do not get the ball up and down when they miss a green. The, the leader on the PGA Tour last year was Patrick Cantlay, and he got the ball up and down 67% of the time. That's it. The, the average is about 59% for the best players in the world. If you are a scratch golfer, it's you know roughly around a coin flip. And if you're a 10 handicap, it goes pretty pretty far down to about every third opportunity you get the ball up and down so i get it every situation is different but if you are hitting through a tree you might not even leave yourself in the best position for this one to be one of the 30 percent or so times that you do get the ball up and down really you are usually taking two strokes of risk for about maybe a half of a shot of reward you should definitely think twice before pulling the trigger on a hero shot and chipping out sideways is really never a terrible play. Myth number eight, 
A bad putt is always better than a bad chip. This is a popular quote, and I will admit that many golfers struggle so much with chipping that putting is the best option. And I am a a huge proponent of putting around the greens when it does make sense, especially for beginners. However, this saying really misses the point. I think a more accurate saying would be, a bad putt is always better than a bad chip when using a high lofted wedge like a sand wedge or a lop wedge. Here's the thing. Those clubs introduce more risk because they are easier to chunk right in front of you. They are easier to skull well past your target. So in that case, a bad putt usually is better than a bad chip. However, this saying should flip when you are comparing putting to chipping with other clubs like a fairway wood, hybrid, an eight iron, whatever you feel most comfortable with. When you putt from off the green, the ball has to bounce repeatedly through longer grass, you know, longer fairway grass before reaching the green. Engaging that is a lot more unpredictable than we really give it credit for. Um, You know, chipping from off the green with one of the clubs I just mentioned, the ball is interacting with the ground less, and there is still very little risk involved. So, so much so that your, you know, your worst efforts with these clubs should be better than your worst efforts with your putter. Of course, this does take some practice. If you have never chipped with a hybrid before, then you should probably try it a couple of times first, obviously, but it's just making a putting stroke with a different club. It's really a foolproof shot. In that case, a bad putt is not always better than a bad chip. Myth number nine. A golfer should play from the same set of tees every single round. This one is really interesting because golfers have a few assumptions and belief around expectations for play, like needing to play on a regulation golf course of a certain length, needing to play an 18-hole golf course, needing to play from the same set of tees thread around instead of changing it up for different holes. Golfers generally just, you know say, you know what, I'm a guy who plays from the whites or the blues, and that is who I am, so every round needs to be roughly from that distance. To me, this is a total myth that it is wrong for a golfer to vary yardages or play from a different set of tees. I I highly encourage my students of all skill levels to go and play the forward tees. See if you can break par. See what you can shoot from the forward tees. It exposes weaknesses in your game. For example, if you're a bad wedge player and don't like hitting shots from, let's say, 50 to 100 yards, well, you're going to get a lot, a whole lot more of those from the forward tees. Uh, you know, you can you can work on that part of your game and test it. Or this is also very important: learn what it means to play away from weakness. You know, Tiger Woods famously did not like wedge shots from around 35 to 50 yards and tried to, you know, not. Uh, have those shots throughout all of his all of his rounds tried to play away from that so let's say you have a 290 yard par four from the forward tees and you hit your driver 240 yards well maybe let's hit an iron off the tee and put ourselves in a more comfortable position for your next shot practice trying to do that I really want to stress no matter what tee you play from and no matter what your skill level is it is all legitimately golf this is a hard game Every golf hole in the world comes with a challenge. I can guarantee you that a round from the red tees is a legitimate round of golf. Of course, if you play the forward tees and have success, you know, you, you can probably carry a lot of those principles when you play further back. But 
it's a hundred percent false that you have to train yourself to play a certain set of tees. And one last note on this: there are now a lot of short courses, both par three courses and otherwise popping up. There are, there are some courses that are par sixty fives. Guys, these are legitimate golf courses. It is still golf. They won't hold the U.S. Open there, but it's definitely still golf. Myth number 10, your 92 was not almost a 79. What I mean by this is golfers, myself included, absolutely love to go back through a round and say to themselves, you know, if these two or three shots didn't happen, I would have shot X instead of Y. Technically, this is true because every round of golf can be improved, and it is possible, it is physically possible, that you could have eliminated some of the severe mistakes you made that day that added multiple shots to your score. But, and you knew there was a but coming, this game is total fool's gold. Really, what you are saying is, if you were more consistent, you wouldn't have made those mistakes. The analogy I use for this is a competitive runner, maybe someone who runs eight-minute miles in a half marathon. They could, if they wanted to, and you know have the ability to run the first couple of miles of their half marathon at a seven-minute pace, and for a moment, they could be in line for a record finish, but at the end of the day, they are an eight-minute-per-mile runner. If they wanted to be faster... They would have to effectively train over a period of time and see their average slowly come down. If you are a 14 handicap golfer and you par the first five holes, you're playing well above your baseline. That baseline could definitely move over time if you effectively train and get better. But just because you've parred a few holes in a row does not mean that you should shoot in the mid-70s that day. Most likely, you are going to return to your baseline at some point. And at the end of the round, when you look back and say, oh man, if I just didn't hit it in the water on number nine and short side myself in a bunker on number 13, I would have saved myself five shots. That thinking, which is absolutely common in in golf, doesn't really add up. You are not actually that close to beating your baseline by that wide of a margin. It just feels that way because golf is a game of variance, as we mentioned before. All right, everyone, that's the last of the 10 myths. I hope you enjoyed hearing these. Give us your feedback if you have some time. You can email us at theclub@graph.golf or feel free to DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to go back and listen to previous podcasts, we've done some recent deep dives into the making of a smart golf ball in our Behind the Ball series with members of the Graph Golf team. We also did a crash course in golf ball launch analytics, so explaining what a spin rate is, what launch angle is, how those variables relate to your game. So go back and check those out. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back with another episode on December 13th, so be on the lookout for that. We'll see you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.